1: First Republic, PacWest, Silicon Valley Bank, just a few of the latest casualties in the banking crisis. Don't wait for the email reading, sorry, your account has been frozen. Your accounts aren't safe. Call American Alternative Assets at 866-3-USA-GOLD to claim your free gold and silver guide today. Once again, call now, (laughs) 866-387-2465. Everybody, I'm Lou Dobbs. Welcome to The Great America Show and great to have you with us this week. We begin the week with further evidence of the FBI's corruption and arrogance acting more like gangsters than gangbusters. The FBI expected to deliver today the FBI document that a House Oversight Committee whistleblower says implicates President Biden, implicates him in a $5 million bribery scheme. The committee subpoenaed the document but for almost a month, FBI Director Chris Wray wouldn't even acknowledge its existence and stonewalled the committee throughout, obviously trying to obstruct the congressional investigation by concealing the file in order to protect President Biden. Chairman Comer demanded that Ray deliver the file or else. Comer ready to begin proceedings to hold Ray in contempt of Congress. And at that point, and only at that point, did the FBI relent, promising to turn it over to the Oversight Committee today. And you can bet the FBI drama is only beginning. The agency is so politically corrupt, I truly believe it has to be dismantled and much of the Department of Justice with it. House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan says his number one goal is to end the FBI spying on American citizens. Jordan telling Breitbart News that he means to stop the reauthorization of Section 702 of the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, FISA, which resulted in rampant spying on American citizens, which was abused relentlessly by the FBI and the Department of Justice in the political persecution of President Trump. Jordan, to his great credit, says ending the surveillance of American citizens is now his top priority. And as he's the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, Jordan will have a major say in what happens. Turning now to the McCarthy sellout and the McCarthy-Jeffries-Biden debt deal, if you can call it a deal. Last Friday, President Biden signed into law the suspension of the national debt ceiling, all made possible by McCarthy, 149 rhinos in the House and 17 rhinos in the Senate. Let's compare what McCarthy promised and what McCarthy actually did. This is McCarthy's promise to America as he campaigned for the Republican House in September. If you trust us, hold us accountable. We'll put it out to the entire country. This is what we'll do.
0: But on that very first day that we're sworn in, you'll see that it all changes. Because on our very first bill, we're going to repeal 87,000 IRS agents.
1: If you trust us, hold us accountable. Those are the speaker's words, and I think we should take him at his word and do just that. Hold him accountable. There was no repeal of the 87,000 IRS agents in this bill, as the Republicans had promised, of course. And there was nothing to do with a debt ceiling. In point of fact, they suspended the debt ceiling. They didn't lift it. They just got rid of it until January 1st of 2025. This deal is nothing more than a win for Biden and the Marxist Dems. Steve Bannon is among those calling for the Republicans to take McCarthy at his word and hold him accountable. Joining us now, Steve Bannon. Steve, great to have you with us. Thanks for being here. Your thoughts, your reaction to what was by any estimation a gargantuan betrayal by Speaker McCarthy.
0: That's what I don't think is. I'm not looking at ones. We're ready to fight because you saw the beginning of the emergence of really you had the donor party, the unit party, and you have the, the opposition of that. There's 73 votes, the 73 no votes, and that's the 71 that were recorded And of course, Banks and and Boebert. Uh, you had 73 votes no. You had 30 votes uh, against the procedure, against bringing the rule to the House. That's where early in the afternoon McCarthy started being humiliated because rule votes are just like speaker votes. Mm-hmm. And you had – we had the 20 before. You had another 10 they forced him to go to Hakeem Jeffries and to beg on the floor of the house. He turned the house over floor over to Hakeem Jeffries, who's really his coalition partner. And uh, Hakeem Jeffries cut a deal, as Hakeem Jeffries, a smart, tough guy, did. He demanded more of uh, earmarks, bigger earmarks, more rapid earmarks. And McCarthy was asked specifically by every reporter there, when you talk to King Jeffrey, were there any side deals cut in order to get the Democrats to come above the rule? He looked him in the eye, and said, "No, there are no deals are cut. That's a stone cold lie." He he lied then, and then later the seventy three. So, look, we got him on record. Uh, there's a, there's a good corpus of seventy three people. McCarthy couldn't even deliver the one fifty minimum he promised to King Jeffrey. He got to one forty nine. Complete humiliation for him. It's not time to vacate the chair. We're going to get to that very shortly. But his his he, 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 right now, the coalition government he had with MAGA and with uh, and with the uh, the conservatives is finished his partner in coalition is really majority leader. Steve Scalise is not the majority leader. The majority leader is Hakeem Jeffries. The, the big win was the Democrats, a huge win for Biden and the radical Democrats on uh, taking this, uh, really giving them two years with no cap is the is, I think, the worst thing I've ever seen the Republican Party do to the American people.
1: Well, the way we've discussed it here is uh, uh, Speaker McCarthy goes over to the White House to negotiate the uh, debt ceiling. And President Biden simply said, I've got a great idea. Let's just get rid of the debt ceiling. We don't need to do it except ah, we could we could let it run to January of 2025. So end of deal. I, I mean, this is the most brazen, uh, uh, absolute capitulation I have ever seen on Capitol Hill by any uh, one of the uh, the, the absolute frauds that have been running the place.
0: You've been doing this. You've been doing this for a couple of three years. I want to hit the rewind button on that because it's so important in watching this. And man, we had Boehner. We had Ryan. You know, you've had half it, you've had, you know, uh, Mitch McConnell forever. In your mind, because I agree with you, but I want to hear it from you because you've got much more experience at covering this over decades and decades and decades. Is this the worst portrayal, the worst capitulation you've ever seen? Because of your point, they literally we gave them a one year deal, one point five trillion uh, in one year, which we weren't happy with. But because it had that cap and that time duration, we would accept it. The first thing they did was take it off, give them an unlimited debt, a clean debt ceiling for two years. Right, was to spend 14 or 15 trillion dollars, have 4 trillion minimum of deficit. Is that the worst betrayal, the worst capitulation you've ever seen?
1: The worst that I have ever seen. It is the worst that, uh, that I could reasonably imagine. When this negotiation began, I'm thinking this is going farther than I thought it ever would. How, how in the world this speaker of the House. Managed to channel Paul Ryan through every moment of discussion and negotiation. I don't know, but he did it. And the result is he turned his back on his conference, not just the Freedom Caucus, as you know, and, and the conservatives. This man went full Marxist, dim, Biden regime acolyte, uh, and is right now kissing the feet of Joe Biden uh, as he considers his next political venture. Lou, I, I,
0: you say it. Much better than I said it on the show today, but that's uh, – and we're at – now we've now we've entered into a real crisis. McCarthy and the unit party, which is really the donors party, they represent the donors. The reason – people should understand. The reason that the, the cap and the duration, the one you were taking off, is because the donors, in May of next year, there'll be a dumpster fire on this economy. They'll have blown through the cap, uh, and they're going to want more money and bigger deficit. They're going to be jammed up against the wall. And a conversation is obviously going to be part of that's going to be tax increases. It's just going to be part of the conversation. The donors, I know this from people around him. The donors said, "We don't. We cannot have a ta- a conversation about taxes at the beginning of a general election. We we will not back that. You've got to get us through the election. This is the old, as you know, Lou. You've been here enough. McConnell's trick: kick it through the election a couple months and take it off, so the low information voters don't get included in this conversation. We know this because the CNN polling." All the polling shows that 60%, percent six, zero percent of the American people want only debt increases with significant budget cuts, significant cuts in federal spending, 45% of Democrats, and I think 75 or 80% of Republicans. The betrayal here was a betrayal of the American people, betrayal not much more than the Freedom Caucus, but a, a betrayal of everybody that's really a Republican voter, a, a, a stark betrayal, but also a betrayal of the American people who want to have a conversation, particularly want to have one next year. As they've given Biden, the Biden regime, another year, another trillion and a half dollar deficit, another seven trillion in spending. They want to have the ability to review this. And they took that review away. And this is the, it's a crime. What, what Kevin McCarthy did is a crime against the American people. Uh, and he will be held accountable.
1: It's going to be a a bigger crime than the business press or the so-called the the Illuminati of the opinion pages uh, are at least uh, admitting. Uh, Within this, we have a fiscal policy disaster with that question. And $4 trillion is just a handy number to throw at what was uh, a 3x over the $1.5 raise that the Republicans were willing to give. Uh, something they should never have, by the way, in my opinion, ever offered. Uh, As a matter of fact, we can have a discussion about strategy and tactics here, but this couldn't have been much worse in the way of even the beginning strategy. But why in the world isn't anybody talking about what the position this leaves the Federal Reserve in? You're going to see rampant spending... Uh, it's going to be not only Biden's runaway inflation, it is going to be significantly uh, greater pressure on the Federal Reserve now uh, to to raise rates. And it is the worst decision that they could make because it is going to create recession. And the Fed itself, just to digress for a moment, the Fed has had at its fingertips a way to not raise rates and to run off the balance sheet and and accomplish precisely the same thing, but they chose not to. And the reason they did is they were so screwed up at every previous effort that they decided they would just simply put it all on the working man and woman in this country, our middle class, and say, screw them, we've got to have price stability. Uh, And that's where we are now. We've got an an impaired puppet president, and uh, an impaired, uh, pathetic caricature of a Federal Reserve Chairman.
0: The um, one of the key points you made of many key points, but I want the audience to focus on is this thing of recession and the slowing of the economy. Because remember, this is going to exacerbate the problem, and the Fed is the Fed is clearly going to have to raise rates. They're going to give it at least another twenty five base points, probably more, uh, as the economy so to 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 get the overheated of slow it down. You're going to have lower growth uh, in lower tax revenues at the tax structure you've got. And you're not going to change that tax structure. It's just not going to happen. You saw this. This is why the donors wanted this conversation away from the general election. And, and I, this is not just Republican donors. The people that that are, will fight tax increases the most are the progressive left oligarchs, the barons of Wall Street, the hedge fund managers, the, 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 the tech oligarchs. In uh, Silicon Valley, who are super anti-Maga, anti-Trump,
1: but anti-America, slows, you're
0: anti-America? You're going to have, and by the way, neo-Marxists in their philosophy—they're all neo-Marxists. Yeah. They not not as far as their ownership of of assets. I'm talking cultural neo-Marxists. They as this economy slows, it's going to be less tax revenue. Guess what that's going to mean? Bigger deficits, more 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 deficit spending, more borrowing, more juicing up of the Federal Reserve. We are now. And this is the crime of McCarthy into kowtow to Jeffries in the White House, in the Schumer, is the uniparty. We are now essentially institutionalizing or hard, we're not going to be hardwired in, hardwired to the institutional um, stagflation. This is, this is the beginning of the lost decades of the 1990s with the Japanese. We're going to follow the exact same model here uh, with low growth. 1 to 1.1%, 1.5% low growth, condemned to low growth, uh, high, high inflation, high interest rates, limited opportunities, contraction of banks, uh, balance. It can, you know, uh, creditability, particularly in regional banks, less opportunities for entrepreneurs. We're about to go into the grind. And remember, the Uniparty brought this to you. It used to be the radical Democrats, but hey, with 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 the Uniparty, the 19 senators that joined in with this spending last year and everybody remembers that they were all signed up for all these spending bills. Now you got the house. Now you got the 149 and all 149 to me. If the audience uh, likes the fact that they took any control away from the audience, if they like the fact that they condemned you to a Japanese model of stagflation, I think for decades. If you like that, then keep supporting them, keep sending money, keep knocking on doors. It's a free country. If you like that, go for it. But now's the time, I think, to hold them accountable. And even guys I admire, like Jim Jordan and others, ought to be primary. There's no, they're, they're, until they can answer the question, why they, and I don't hear any happy talk about appropriations and no happy talk about we took $140 billion or $400 billion out of $140 million or $400 million of CDC and all this, all these shiny ponies <laughs> they got. Shiny toys. Uh, Answer the question, why did you take the cap off? Why did you make this unlimited? Why is Biden going spend anything they want? We got to pay for it. Why did you do that? Why did you lock in all the radical programs with the two years? He gave a two-year clean debt ceiling lift. That's what you gave it with no conditions, none. This is the most absurd thing I've ever seen, and these people are no different than Benedict Arnold at West Point when he was there and portrayed general washington and the continental army this is that level of betrayal
1: it is a betrayal and it is a betrayal of the republic no one should doubt it and the 149 i think a lot of people listening to you right now steve are shocked to hear you say what you did about jim jordan uh being among those uh, 149 people but uh, they have made their choice, and they are what they are. And, Jordan, by the uh,
0: way, Jim Jordan, Jim Jordan you, you, there's very few people I think you hold in higher regard than Jim Jordan, and I'm one of those. Jim correct. Jordan's a good man. Jim Jordan's got a lot of good things. But however, this was a defining moment. You know, Lou Dobbs just said in his history of doing this over decades, he's never seen a more catastrophic vote. That means something. I'm in the same regard. I think it's the most important vote. We've seen in decades and certainly the most important vote in this 118th Congress. There'll be nothing else close to it because it's locked in years in the future. And quite frankly, not only taken a great tool out of the toolbox, the tool out of the toolbox of President Trump when we start the general election next May, but even more importantly, has shackled him in 2025. I'm running some numbers with with Ross and the team of the week, and we'll share with you. Lou and your audience of the great America show, but we're running some, some, some models of what to what, what is 2025 going to look like from today with this deal? What's it going to look like? Donald Trump's going to come in and not have the runway, even as bad as the Obama years were, we had a different balance sheet, right? We had more ability to maneuver that right. maneuvering ability of president Trump is going to restrict you. That's the great crime here. They've locked us in institutionally and Jim Jordan was the very first guy on the call Sunday night start pimped his eye. He says, Well, the spending last less, less this year is next, that's a good deal. And he went on Fox and he pimped this thing out. And for pimping that out, as good a man as he is, people need to challenge these people. Here's what they need to do. They need to get them on a stage in a debate and make them defend this vote. Make do them you know? defend this vote. They make you they have to. This is the way that we change the Republican Party.
1: You know, there you and I both know that that debate will never occur, because all they were doing—the hundred and forty-nine and the chairman, part, the committee chairman among them—all they were doing was cheerleading. They don't have a position, and they don't have a a, a reason, a reasoned argument for it. Uh, we're going to take up Steve, if we may, after we take this quick break. We're going to take up oligarchs, and we're going to be talking about a fellow named Brother Ma, and why he is so popular in communist China. We'll be right back with the great Steve Bannett stay with us Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. We're back now with Steve Bannon. We're going to talk, if we may now, Steve, about I'm still licking my wounds. I'm I'm. Oh, believe me, I'm ready to fight. Uh, I'm 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 <laughs> Liv, about Liv, ready to explode. Born, you
0: were born. You were born fighting. You were born what? fighting. I know. I know you're ready for you. You like like fighting for fighting. I mean, now we got a now we got a purpose.
1: We got a purpose, and I tell you what, we better stay shoulder to shoulder because we haven't got a heck of a lot of company uh, in, in the in the swamp and uh, in the public arena. Uh, but let's let's turn to Brother Ma. I would have sixteen course dinner for Elon Musk in Beijing. With the CCP and uh, Xi Jinping, that's pretty heavy stuff for a, for an American entrepreneur. Uh, uh, he's not a poor country boy. He is the world's richest man or second richest now. Uh, but that was quite a feat. Uh, what did he do to deserve that? He deserved it because he's an
0: asset of the Chinese Communist Party. And, and, and his wealth is all driven by the CCP. He's also... He's only American by, you know, he's actually a foreigner. It's just like it's just like Soros, it's just like Murdoch. And people say, well, you can't pick up, front. look, all of us came from other countries, right? My family came here as immigrants, Irish immigrants, and German immigrants later, okay? And I understand that. But my family came here, as most families come here of immigrants, to support the values of this country, to fight for this country, to serve this country on, on, uh, on foreign battlefields. Uh, and even a domestic battlefield, I had a great uh, great my great grandfather's brother uh, died at Dahlgren's raid uh, with the second with the first main cavalry in the Civil War. We had many other veterans throughout our, our history. Uh, we're here to serve this country. We're here to support this country. That's not Murdoch. That's not uh, that's not Soros. That's not Elon Musk. Elon Musk, the 16 course meal. They only give that not just the heads of states, as you know, Because nobody's covered China better than you. They only give that to send a signal that this guy is the inside baseball, the inside baseball. He's a he's an old friend, as they say in China. And that means just like Henry Kissinger, he's a fellow traveler. Elon Musk is a danger to this country. I said this and when I said this on Tim Pool a couple of weeks ago, Elon Musk specifically took my clip. When I called him out for being fully financed by the Chinese Communist Party, he tweeted out that that the clip where I said that he said, I used to think Steve Bannon. Was, very, was smart and evil. Now I just think he's evil. Well, Elon, I got not tell you, whether you call it e- evil or smart or dumb as a stick, I know that you're an asset of the Chinese Communist Party, and your trip over there this week proved it. It's disgraceful. And uh, I think he needs to be fully investigated now to make sure that uh, from a national security point of view, I think this guy's a danger uh, to the country. I understand there's tons of conservative fanboys all these, all these conservative fanboys that have the maturity of 11-year-olds and think that Elon Musk is Tony Stark. Uh, he gets all the cool checks, and he's got all the cool toys, and he's worth, you know, the second richest guy in the world. He's the second richest guy in the world because he basically is a partner to the Hitlers of the 21st century, and that's the criminal junta that uh, is the overlords of Lao Beijing, of the Chinese people in Beijing, and he is their partner, and they've enriched him.
1: You may get another tweet from, uh, from Musk. <laughs> and good for you. Uh, and I have to say to you uh, and Alana, if you're listening, uh, I, I, there's no way I can escape my friendship from Steve Bannon and our co- and our common philosophy here. Uh, this is worth investigating, uh, and people need to understand something that's happening here. Uh, he's financed certainly by the CCP, no question about it, and 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 will be more so after he returns from uh, his trip to Beijing. We'll learn further what uh, transpired there. But he's financed in terms of the SpaceX project by the American taxpayer. Uh, he is financed in, in Tesla with uh, tax credits by the taxpayer, not the largesse of uh, Joe Biden's uh, solely. We do, we do get to provide a little money into that enterprise. So it, there is a question here about what is modern capitalism, and there is no question Elon Musk is a genius. Anybody who can land a rocket booster on its tail is a genius, yeah. in my opinion, and I don't care what
0: part of part. Let me that. jump in here. You, you're absolutely correct. As an engineer, he may be the Edison or the Tesla of this century. Of that, I, I, I'm not an expert enough to know, but what I've seen is very impressive.
1: Yeah, but your definitely. first
0: point is, remember, I know Elon Musk. Why did I know Elon Musk? He was stopping by my office every other day in the White House when my office was working next to President Trump looking for handouts. And I just told him, I said, Elon, the, the, MAGA, the American taxpayer is not going to contain. We're not going to underwrite your Tesla thing here. We're not going to underwrite all these ventures. I said, it's quite simple. I know what you're doing. You want the taxpayer to basically underwrite huge portions of this. They don't get any of the upside. They don't have a warrant package. They don't have a package of options. They don't own any stock. I said, you can do this. There's plenty of cash out there for your deals. Not a, you don't need this, you need this cash because you need higher returns. You take the dumb money from the taxpayer and then the smart money of the venture capitalist, which has to be less because the taxpayers put up a bunch of it, and your returns are higher. And returns for management are higher. This is how you get to be the richest guy in the world. Well, that ain't hard. It's going to work in the Trump White House. We're not giving you any more. And this is he and I had a couple of uh, just blunt conversations. I said that the gravy train is over. The the working stiff in this country is not going to underwrite Tony Stark. Get no place of the ups. Right. And you go there with your venture capital. You have to put in less money. Management gets less dilution. Right. And and and, and you keep all the upside. It doesn't work that way. It's not going to work that way in Trump's America. And I think that that's what he people have to understand. His wealth has either come from his his big part of his wealth is obviously with the Tesla joint venture with the Chinese. That's where he's going to make the battery over there, all All that. That's where he's over there, kowtow to him. But substantially, all all the companies here are underwritten by American taxpayers. All of these, people should understand, they don't need taxpayer money. They want taxpayer money because it makes the returns higher because they have to put less cash in. But there's plenty of capital for Elon Musk's venture. And like you said, any guy can land that can raise plenty of money, but it comes as a price. And it means Elon Musk gets a lower return personally. That's why he's always got his kinked up out. And that's called, as you know, Lou, because you have followed this for 40 years on your show. That's crony capitalism. And that's where we are now. We're basically in state. We're in, we have a – our system is very much like the Chinese. It's a state capitalism with a highly concentrated government in business with certain select – uh, mega corporations. that's modern I, capitalism, not free market capitalism that you've advocated on your show for decades and decades and decades.
1: I call it crony and it's C-capitalism. It's crony capitalism, it's circular capitalism, uh, and it is cyclical. And if you look at the swirl of capital, there's another C-word flying from this this superpower, this economic superpower, straight into the coffers of the communist Chinese. It's stunning. Uh, this is a model that has been created, but not investigated. It has been uh, constituted, but again, not investigated, uh, that is driving U.S. investor capital into the heart of its greatest enemy, and that is the communist Chinese. It is, it is stunning to think what we are witnessing. And there isn't a hearing on Capitol Hill. Not one hearing has been held. Uh, think about the things that we don't, and I'd like to go into this with you, Steve, if, if I may. Sure. I, I, you're hitting a very important point, I believe, and that is, why doesn't the public demand to know more? We know why the national corporatist media doesn't want to report, but we don't quite understand why the public doesn't demand that their representatives, their senators, actually hold hearings on important things like what the hell, what the hell really happened in the pandemic? Who was right? Who was wrong? And what are we doing to prepare for the next? Why don't we talk about uh, transgender uh, uh, LGBTQ issues? Have hearings. Why is this suddenly such an important discussion point? Why is, what is the difference between each of these coalition groups uh, that are have different genders, different uh, pronouns, and are having quite a time of it uh, in the national media. Why don't we know what's really going on? And why don't we know something about why public education? Children are, are being told, don't tell your parents, but you're going to be mutilated by a surgeon of our choice. I, I mean, it's really getting down to that. And there are no hearings. Doesn't this amaze you, even in this what pseudo uh, democracy that we live in right now? You,
0: you could you could forgive and get, about them getting organized on oversight and on um, on oversight and uh, and uh, judiciary and the weaponization committee and others. The subcommittee there's a subcommittee looking at the, the Wuhan lab and COVID. You could you could justify maybe the slow start. First of all, the Democrats wouldn't be like this. They, they are like assassins. They would be all over this to be hearings, to be front page in New York Times, Wall Street Journal every day. Here, maybe you can argue for the disorganization as long as they got the debt ceiling and the financial part right. Understand they betrayed you on that. There's no excuse for the rest of this. I, I totally agree with you that it is unacceptable that uh, we're, we're, we're now in the month of June. We're six months into this, and we haven't made more traction than we have. And part of this is they won't staff up. I mean, the Democrats don't care how much money they spend on it because it's, it's, it's a pittance in the, in the grand scheme of things. These things ought to be staffed up immediately. Weaponization, and I, quite frankly, I think Jim Jordan's just too burnt. He's doing so much on judiciary, he ought to spend weaponization off to someone else. We need bigger staffs. We need organized staffs. And on every issue you just said, from, the, from the, this radical transgender ideology uh all the way down to the Wuhan lab they ought to be on point since you gave the country away economically uh they need to be on point now on this and it's co- quite shocking that we're in june and essentially nothing's happened i mean today they they're they're going over to to, to, you know, enforce a subpoena against Chris Wray on the on the whistleblower on the on basically they they've got they've got all the information you need on the on the Biden's, uh, you know, the Biden crime family. They won't turn over. The Praetorian Guard won't turn over. Well, I've so just got one that.
1: question here. You know, if they're going over to serve that subpoena, how about they I mean, they should really ask the FBI to disarm itself first so it's an even match, uh, because they're not gonna follow the law. This is gonna be uh, some kind of, uh, (laughs) this will have to be settled by arm wrestling or something, because the law, we know where the law in this country, the Department of Justice in particular, will land. We're gonna take that up with Steve Bannon, the great Steve Bannon, when we return. Stay with us. As you write your life story, This is a warning, my fellow Americans. The news just broke, and it's grim. The banking collapse of 2023 is now more devastating than the banking collapse of 2008. First Republic, PacWest, Silicon Bank, just a few of the latest casualties in this banking crisis. And don't wait for the email reading, quote, Sorry, your account has been frozen, end quote. Take action now to protect what we've all worked so hard to build. Believe me, you can protect your wealth by utilizing a straightforward tax loophole that's entirely legal. Call my friends at American Alternative Assets. Ask them for your free wealth protection guide. Call 866-3USA-GOLD. That's right. Call now. 866-386-2465. This invaluable guide will outline the precise steps you need to take immediately to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals, all without tax consequence. Call American Alternative Assets at 866-3USA-GOLD to claim your free gold and silver guide today. Once again, call now, 866-387-2465. We're back with Steve Bannon, Steve Bannon's War Room. I want to compliment you on what you have created there. It's just extraordinary, and uh, it's just uh, essential, uh, essential watching.
0: I had a pretty good good mentor, Lee Dobbs. As you know, I've been a huge fan of yours for many, many decades, as the president has. And I think the president would join me in saying, hey, a lot that we weren't, and I, and I went to Harvard Business School a lot, and he went to he went to Wharton. and I think we'd both say this a lot of what we understand about international finance and how trade uh, trade deficits all of that, and the importance of that to the economy, really the backbone of the populist nationalist economic thing we learned because Lou Dobbs was talking about this back in the 1980s when he was warning us of what was going to happen with the uh, with our manufacturing base and so and that's Lou, it it, it, it it, and I think that's why the war room is growing so much, because people want this information, particularly the fact of, as you know, we're not going to be able to unwind this, this disaster we just had in this, in this uh, budget uh, debt ceiling. Back when you first started, you know, when you talk about Volcker and you talk about Reagan, you talk about the amazing thing that they got us out of the stagflation of the uh, really Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon, to a degree, Jimmy Carter, that era, Volcker and Reagan – not one of the only heroes and men of courage that could step in the breach and didn't care what people said, but as importantly, they had tools we don't have today. They had a balance sheet that was relatively clear. clear. They had a Federal Reserve that had nothing on it. They had, uh, they had very little national debt, like I said, a clear balance sheet. We were also a manufacturer. Still at that time, we were a manufacturing superpower. And, mm-hmm. and, with, a, and with the dollar where it was you know a, a, a currency that was not being devalued and crushed every second of every day. So it was in and, and the country was a different country where, you know, much high, more with more education by a broader range of people, more literacy, better in numbers, better in reading comprehension, better workforce, just no comparison, no comparison to the to the oligarchy we've become today. But that's what's going to limit. That's why I am so fearful in 2025 with the return of President Trump. He's going to be shackled by what they have done here. But as importantly. The 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 economic sins of these globalists over many decades will be coming home to roost, and he'll have very little room to maneuver. It's going to be Trump can turn it around, but man, is it going to be a heavy lift? It's going to be a very heavy lift, and I think people got to get they got to understand what's really going on here.
1: They really do, and I and I want to get I want to I don't want to dwell on this, but I do want to get your assessment. My complaint is this that we, are, we have a Congress that isn't interested in the public's right to know. Uh, it's better than it was because of the Brave 20 and the Freedom Foundation who had the guts to challenge McCarthy uh, and to bargain uh, for some decentralization, greater power for committee chairman, et cetera. But the, the fact of the matter is, why aren't the major issues being explored? We're not having our academia, uh, in this country, our universities and colleges have taken positions. They don't have uh, intellectual uh, discussions or a search for empirical evidence that would guide them one way or another about what works, doesn't work. I I mean, I don't think I'm too different from anyone else in the country when I say I I don't know what all the transsexual uh, gender assignment stuff, I don't know where it came from. How did it suddenly explode? I don't understand why why LGBTQ uh, isn't thrilled to be where they are in our society with equal rights, and why they are insisting on demanding so much of the majority uh, and of the power structure, and the middle class and working men and women are being relegated to second class citizen uh, in in the media. Uh, no one cares what happens to uh, to. The middle class working men uh, and women, 150 million workers in this country who are being basically just run over, whether it's through the inflation of the Biden uh, administration, whether it is the elitism of the national media, uh, whether it is the indifference and uh, essential exploitation uh, in, in this country of working men and women who've had wages that have been basically stagnant for three decades. Our middle class has not done well at all. Our CEOs, as you were talking about earlier, I mean, they're, they're not only making 400 times uh, what their average corporate employee makes, they're making 800 times. It would take uh, workers, I don't know how many lifetimes to match one year's pay by their CEO and to what end. But the, there is no discussion of this politically. There is no discussion of it within the, uh, the architecture of our government. We have no answers. We have no answer, answers to what happens when you have a fully corrupt federal government. Uh, the most important agencies amongst them outside of defense, absolutely corrupt and weaponized against the American people. Those working people, those middle class, those small businessmen, they're, they're roadkill. Uh, in the new utopia of the Biden regime. Your thoughts?
0: Look, I think that the model works for the oligarch that we have in this country, uh, an oligarchy. And and the oligarchs control the apparatus, the uniparty party apparatus. Uh, The the business model works for them. And that's why the corporate media, which is very tied to their advertising, um, is not going in their regulatory approval, is not going to change. They're going to cover it exactly what they cover, which is to put shiny toys out there and treat you like an idiot. That's why I think the growth in, in your show and in the war room is because people thirst for an alternative. They thirst for something they feel they can get a grip on, something that that they can think through and, and, and look at the world and say, yeah, I, I'm starting to get information. And, and this is giving me context. This is giving me a framework of how to look at things. And I think that's why these shows are growing leaps and bounds, and, uh, and we'll do even more in the future. I think people are thirsty with that. It's now uh, to turn that into, and that's why the War Rooms audience is mainly, is mainly activists, that people are engaged. And whether at the precinct level, uh, whether taking over a school board, uh, whether running for office, we have tons of activists. And the reason is they want a place that gives them actionable information. And, and that's what we try to do, and I know you try to do Lou, I, I know you may be running out of time. I, the reason I came on today, of all days, I wanted to come on anyway, but I had to. I wanted to ask Lou Dobbs a couple. I had to do this, Lou. You've been doing this a long time, brother, and you know Wall Street as well as anybody. When I saw Bill Ackman yesterday, the the destructive hedge fund, you know, guy <laughs> put out a long Twitter, you know, thread about uh, Jamie Dimon, mm-hmm. Jamie Dimon running for president, mm-hmm. uh, and that you know he should come and serve his country. And then uh, Jamie Dimon, the front of the Financial Times today, is a recording of a private uh, meeting with Jamie Dimon and other people in a conference where he—it's a lead story in the Financial Times today—where he's saying that tensions, that tensions between Washington and Beijing, are causing an upset to the world order, and that uh, it must stop. Uh, w- w- your thoughts? Uh, Lou Dobbs, of, of Jamie Dimon as a potential, given that you were one of the first guys that backed President Trump and saw the potential of President Trump, and people should know that I talked to Lou Dobbs many, many years ago before President Trump about actually running for president of the United States because I thought Lou would be a magnificent president. Uh, given your knowledge of that, your support of President Trump, your, 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 your MAGA roots, uh, your understanding of populism, your being an economic nationalist, could, could you give the audience, the Great American Show audience, your, your thoughts on, on Jamie Dimon as a potential president of these United States?
1: Well, I have followed Jamie Dimon. I, f- I first uh, met him. Oh, I'm going to say it may have been. I was just about to say 30 years ago. It may have been a little little longer than that. uh, When he was working with Sandy Weil, this after the Fireman's Fund uh, uh, exit, uh, and he was preparing to move on to bigger and greater things, uh, eventually uh, taking over uh, Citicorp. The, the, The idea that Jamie Dimon would be president, I think you've sort of hinted at, uh, Jimmy Diamond <laughs> is a, by the way, he's a Baker's scholar. You should be impressed with that out of Harvard.
0: I miss being a Baker's scholar fight one class because I was too busy playing golf, but that's a huge, problem. he's a smart guy, he's a tough guy.
1: Uh, he's a tough guy, smart guy, all of the above. And by the way, he also apparently, uh, discussed, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's, uh, uh accounts at JP Morgan, uh, Joe Staley saying that he did, uh, that's, that's inconvenient coming amidst that sudden and I'm sure, uh, <laughs> the spontaneous burst of publicity <laughs> that he received for his, uh, <laughs> for his ambitions are, to are, rule are, the world. Are, here's, are, the, here's are, the are deal. Are you
0: implying also, on, are you implying also that being, uh, Sandy Wiles, and Sandy Wiles was a tough hombre, that being his hatchet man, which Jamie Dimon was for decades, that being Sandy Wiles' hatchet man does not prepare you. It's not a good preparation to be president of the United States of America.
1: A lot of more authoritarian countries would probably appreciate his skills, but I don't think they would particularly be useful. One would Well, they may be at the rate we're going. Uh, here's, I guess, where I come down with oligarchs and politics. And you and I probably may disagree on this. We've got to rein in corporate America right now. Uh, it's. They've got to get in their lane. They've got to get back to business. They have got to take the Chamber of Commerce. I mean, I don't know what you do with that thing. It is a monster. It's running Congress. You know that.
0: Uh, oh, it, it, it approved. Remember, they, Chamber of Commerce came out. I had Tim Burchett on last night from Tennessee. Chamber of Commerce came out and recommended a yes on the vote yesterday. The Chamber of Commerce said yes because they want the they, they want the sugar high. They want the easy money. Of course, they like the easy money.
1: And just like, you know, your friend, uh, Brother Ma, as the Chinese now call Elon Musk, uh, he wants easy money. I think I guess all of us would accept easy money. But, the, the, but this is at a cost to the republic. When we have oligarchs now, and what's really funny to me, and it truly is laughable, is to start watching all of these billionaires who've decided, and I'm going to exempt one billionaire. And that is Donald Trump, from what I'm saying. These billionaires have decided to cut out the middleman. I mean, Donald Trump set the <laughs> set the standard for billionaires. Just go directly to the presidency. I mean, why should Jamie Dimon, a billionaire himself, that is seems to be the credential to get into the in, into the race? Putting one of these people, who has made a mess of this economy, contributed to it, as they have the overwhelming political power they already enjoy, the consolidation of banking, for example, as you well know, we have now, what is it? 6,000 fewer banks than we did in the mid 80s. It's concentrated. I love, I love the fact the FDIC, the Federal Reserve, everybody complaining as the as the bank's signature and SVB uh, and Republic were going down. They didn't want Chase originally to take any of those assets uh, to, to come in and save uh, the day because they would get bigger. So what did they do? Well, they let Chase at the end because they couldn't find anybody strong enough to stand up to the to to all of the the vulnerability uh, and the sell off. And the fact is, Chase grew bigger. They now control 13% of the insured deposits in the United States of America. Teddy Roosevelt right now would be slapping all of us upside the head. What in the world have we done to America? We have turned it into a, 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 a weak form of European business. Uh, it is the stasis that has set in to corporate America. Where is the innovation? Where is uh, the, uh, the ability to say we are a bigger and better and more powerful and, and more democratic place in, in 2023 than we were in 1975? It isn't true. It is not true, and where is that peace dividend that we were supposed to be able to cash when the Soviet Union went down in flames? We have lived a nightmare in terms of leadership uh, and in terms of what we have done uh, with our wealth. Uh, And and by the way, including what we have done to the middle class in this country, which is to serve them uh, and those who aspire to that middle class horribly, and we've got to fix that. And do I have an actionable way to get it done right now? No. And I don't believe anyone else does. And that's why we've got to get the conversation started in the public arena.
0: I think we start, Lou, with throw the bums out. (laughs) Amen, brother. And you (laughs) know what?
1: I I got hundred and forty-nine names on a list. (laughs)
0: <laughs> got, a, got a place to start got a Yes, sir list.
1: Steve, you're, you're great We thank you for being with us uh, We always give our guests the, the last word Your concluding thoughts, if you will
0: uh, My concluding thoughts is uh, thanks I'm really glad to be on the Lou Dobbs a Great American show on such a historic day Now over to the Senate, Lou We get a little performance art You <laughs> get a little performance <laughs> art by Chuck Schumer And Mitch McConnell A little performance art Uh, And we'll have to take this through the weekend and and see how this plays out. But uh, really honored to be on here on such a historic day, sir.
1: And I hope this is the day that they uh, vacate, uh, bring the motion to vacate. uh, Don't you? I I would like to.
0: uh, Obviously, he's got to go. It's just when do you have the when do you when is the best time to make him go to force him out? Because clearly you can't have some you can't continue to exist. The coalition government we had with the MAGA. And with the 20 and with others can't exist when Hakeem Jeffries is the majority leader. That's not what people voted for. And uh, it's got to end, and we got it for you at the best time he can.
1: We thank you very much, Steve. Good to see you, my friend. Thanks, brother. And that is it for us today. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Our guest here tomorrow will be former Trump presidential advisor, Peter Navarro. Please join us. Until then, thanks. God bless you. And may God bless America.